0: Turning your Bible to Matthew 28. I'm excited this morning. I just feel good. Everybody say, I feel good. Ooh, like I knew that I would now. Y'all, see, I've been off all week. I've been casual. I've been, I've been relaxed all week long. I appreciate Josh and Laura. Josh and Laura, Josh especially uh, helped out Wednesday night and teaching the word of god let me just say about this coming wednesday is it's our it's our our picnic time we're going to have a great time and then the next wednesday i'll be back here and we're going to be teaching more i think i'm going to go to mexico in june but i think it's another week away so uh so and, oh i got exciting news anybody want to make exciting news uh, i i i i just i may have told you this but uh my friend Corey miller who owns uh uh, uh C. Miller Drilling and then, uh, and then a couple other companies, he's a, he's a very influential man in the water well business, uh, he is, without going too deep in it, by this fall, we will have a drilling rig made for us in Agua Resources that's on a trailer that will drill wells up to 300 foot deep, probably about a $100,000 piece of equipment that we'll take to Mexico and make a greater difference, bringing fresh water as well as living water to the needy people of Mexico. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep, uh, uh, praising the Lord for that. So let's give him some praise for that. Amen. Woo! In a couple of weeks, I'll be going back. It's our last trip that we have on the calendar for this year. And then the rainy season comes. And so you'll hear more about it. I'm trying to put together an end of the year trip that, and as soon as I can get uh, some details on that, I'll let you know. I'd love for some of you guys to go. Uh, I would love, uh, let's see. Let me pick somebody out here. I'd love my son-in-laws to go. I think they need to, to, uh, um, come and see what their father and, father-in-law does down in Mexico. In fact, this last group of guys that went, the guy I was talking to, just another quick story. We we could we tried to drill in this little school that needed water. The little school marm, or whoever they call them there, the, you might call them the principal. She was she was so full of faith. She had already with had purchased the electric pump to put in the well, uh, and we just we struck out. We hit rock. We know there's water there, but our little rig couldn't get to it. She cried when we left. And, and we were so broken hearted. And these guys from San Antonio, they were moved. And, uh, so after that, after we left the site and after as before we left, I, I got a figure and, and uh, Tom said, well, we could get a hand dug well. I mean, cause they get down there and they move those rocks and they just hand dig them and create a hand dug well cause there's water down there. Uh, and so we did some figures and, and decided that we could uh, hire some people out to do a hand-dug well for about $3,000. So the San Antonio boys went home, they raised the $3,000. Next week we'll get that 3000 or this, yeah, this coming week, get that $3,000 in Tom's hands, and the little school mom's going to be happy in about a month and a half. So that's exciting, isn't it? And, and so she didn't have to weep or cry. We're going to bring fresh water. You got to understand, Our pumps and our wells bring fresh water to people that don't have it ever unless they buy it because the city water is pumped right out of the river. And I've been to the river, and you wouldn't drink that stuff, okay? So there you go. We're making a big difference. And everybody said Amen. Okay. Are you in Matthew 28? We're talking this week, this month, and probably for the next month, about the disciple-makers. In fact, a couple of Wednesdays ago, we kicked it off, and Josh uh, Josh built upon what we started a couple of Wednesdays ago, and, and so not this coming week, but the next Wednesday, we'll be back there. So we're hitting it on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I'm kind of giving you a, on Sunday mornings kind of a, a just an inspirational, uh, motivational type insight to be able to look into the lives of the disciples and look into the life of Jesus to be able to understand this great commission that we've been given. In fact, I want us to read it. I know you know it, but let's read it. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 and 19 and 20 says, uh, it says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. This is his great commission. And he's not just talking to pastor Sam. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to all of us. Come on, tell somebody. He's speaking this to all of us. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And everybody say the last word, amen. And so this is our great commission and we've been looking at our, at this great commission and our mission as a church and and we'll begin to look at our vision and and uh as we've said and as we say and as I've already said and as take 5 says we over the last oh gosh 12 13 14 months uh have have fine-tuned our mission statement uh and uh it was born just out of prayer we were praying we were praying because uh, our church was and is in, a, in the middle of a defining moment, and and in the middle of this defining moment, a little over years ago, uh, over a year ago, I think this mission statement began to give birth in our hearts. Uh, and here it is: here's our mission statement. It's basically about the call, and I'll throw in the command of God on our life. We're called. Let's say it out loud together. We're called to. We're called to. We're called to, and we're called to. These are four hugely important thoughts that all really work together to help us fulfill the great commission. In fact, we've been teaching this for years in our connect course uh, about spiritual, mem- about membership. That's the call to gather the importance of spiritual maturity. That's the call to grow uh, the call and the, and the commitment to ministry. We make a, in fact, we, we sign ministry commitments that I'm going to I make a commitment to to be a faithful member. I make a commitment to spiritual maturity. I make a commitment to give of my life, of my time, my talents, and my treasure. And then number four, I make a missions commitment to go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. How many of you know that's the Great Commission, and that's who we are, and that's what this mission statement, when you melt all this down together, okay, it, it comes up, the Great Commission, and so we're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give, and we're called to go. Now the great commission, you need to understand, uh, the cross-cultural, I'll call it core calling, if you will, to all of God's family. The call the call and command of the great commission to all Christians is to make disciples. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Make disciples of all what? nations. That's why missions is so important. That's why we have friends and family uh, all over the world who are making a difference and are making uh, uh, disciples. I've got a friend in uh, San Luis Potosi, uh, and uh, he invited me. Uh, oh, I think it's November. I can't remember. Uh, I'm going to go do a three-day an- anniversary conference for them and missions conference uh, and and uh, and then also, if God's willing, I think the end of August, we'll be going to Jay and Linda Threadgills to, to Haiti. These people are all disciple-makers. Thank God for people around the world who are making disciples. Amen? And so I'm going to encourage you with that. Uh, and, le- and let's just embrace this and realize, you know what? If I'm going to be a true disciple, I've got to be a disciple-maker. In fact, true disciple is a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced the command and call of God to go and make disciples. That's what a true disciple maker is. Someone who says, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a disciplined and dedicated follower of Jesus. And I'm going to embrace the purpose of God for my life, the call of God, and even the command of God. How many of you know the Great Commission is not the great suggestion? It's the command of God on all of us. I'm going to embrace the command and the call of God on my life to make disciples. That's why we're talking about the disciple makers. And that's what I want you to embrace. I want, I want to embrace this more and more. I want to, to live the latter days of my life making disciples and raising up a new generation of young men and women of God who, who catch the vision and catch the call of God and embrace the mission of God, the great commission and the mission of our church to gather to grow, to give, and to go. With that in mind, let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to the revelation of Jesus this morning as we look into his life. Father, today, I just pause and pray, and I ask you, God, to help us become true disciples, those who are disciple-makers, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. This morning, and, and let me just say, last Sunday, we looked at the disciples and learned some things about them. We're going to revisit some of those things, but we're going to look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Let me make this statement to you about Jesus. Jesus, when he was here on planet earth, you know, he was 33 when he died and was buried and rose again. But really his ministry only lasted three years. Do you, do you realize that? You know, for 30 years, we don't know a whole lot about his life. And then the last three years of his life, He made a great difference. And then in those last three years, he was a disciple maker. Let me just say something about that thought. You can make a big difference in a short amount of time. As I said, I just turned 61 and I'm embracing. You know, you have to. When you, you could either. When you get older, you get have a, oh me or oh my or a, uh, whatever you want. I'm going to have an epiphany, and I'm going to say about my life. I'm going to make my greater difference in the latter years, a- and I can make a big difference in a short amount of time look at somebody and tell them, you can make a big difference in a short amount of time. Tell somebody, you can make a big difference in a short amount of time. So I came to tell you this morning, even if we just dismissed after this thought, if Jesus can do what he did in three short years, that is that is continuing on and multiplying from generation to generation, why can't we take up that mantle and say, you know what? If Jesus can make a big difference in the world, I can make a big difference in the world because guess what? He lives on the inside of me, and greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. Somebody say, Boom shakalaka. Come on, y'all didn't even know how to say that. Say, Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> and, I, and so I want to inspire us today. You know, a lot of old timers say, Well, we just need another generation. You know what this generation needs to do? They need to look at some old timers and say, Help me, help me in this journey. We can do this thing together and we can make a great difference in the earth today. And everybody said, Amen. And so I want to look at the life of Jesus. I want to just learn some things. And here's here's the thought that I want you to get. And then, and then begin to embrace your own in your own life. Jesus embraced the command and call of God to make disciples by the way he lived. He lived a life that was conducive to making disciples. And I want us to think about that for a moment because, you know what, if we're going to become what Jesus wants us to become, and that is disciple-makers, we've got to learn some things about how to live life. Because the secondary thought that I want you to get and understand is this, becoming a disciple-maker is a lifestyle. It's a choice of how we live life. You see, all of us, whether we realize it or not, we've made choices in life on how we're going to live our life. And we do that day by day. We make choices. Many of them are selfish and have nothing to do with God's purpose and plan for our life. We make this choice, that choice. We choose where we live, where we work, where we go to school, what we eat, what we don't eat, uh, and, 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 and and who we're gonna like and who we're not gonna like. We make choices in life. But I'm telling you something today. If we're gonna make disciples, we've got to make some lifestyle choices. If we're gonna make a big difference in the earth, we may have to make some big choices and lifestyle changes in order to make a bigger God difference in the earth. If you're here today and you could be honest with me, like I'm trying to be honest with myself, this morning we talked about getting past the past. And one of these thing, uh, the the three points that you've heard before, you got to admit it, quit it, and forget it. There's some things we got to fess up to. We got to realize today that hey, if we're going to make a bigger difference, we got to make some big changes in our life. Are you with me? And so we're going to look at the life of Jesus. It's a lifestyle choice. And we all make lifestyle choices. We choose this path. We choose that path. How many of you are proud of the fact that uh, in the spouse you chose? Amen. Beverly, raise your hand there. Amen. Amen. Scotty, raise your hand. Amen. 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 Tommy, raise your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, I did. I raised my hand. I had some friends one time. They, they were all excited about it, and they got married. They woke up the next morning after the honeymoon, and they looked at each other and said, we think we made a mistake. I don't know why they thought that. They called my friend, Pastor Sonny. He said, well, it's too late now. It's now the will of God. And so there lived a long, healthy, good life. So, so, hey, no second guessing God, amen. And so this morning, I want to look at the life of Jesus and how he lived his life. He lived his life as a disciple maker. And let me just show you some things this morning that we've got to embrace in our life. Some of them kind of hit on what we talked about last week. Number one, Jesus, he lived to leave. Let me explain this to you. He lived... To leave. How many of you know Jesus' first choice he had to make? And I believe it was a choice that in heaven he chose to obey his Father's desire and, com- and command and call for him to leave the comfort of heaven's glory. Can you imagine? How many of you can think if you could think of the best place on planet Earth for you to live and the best scenario that you could just think from a nap? Because we can't think about we can't comprehend heaven. It's hard. You can read about it. It's hard to comprehend it. But you just think about your best life now. You think about whoo man. If I could choose and pick, man, I'd love to live this way. I'd like to have this money. I'd like to have those this lands and all that you know. uh, And and I would love man. If I could if I could just draw the perfect scenario uh, and and pick the perfect spouse and raise the perfect family. Oh, I would do this and all that. And man, that would just be awesome. You think about all that. Jesus left that times 10 exponential factor factored in. He He chose to leave his best life behind for the sake of fulfilling the purpose of God. And that is to make disciples and to raise up disciples who would make more disciples. And, and listen, understand something. We got to follow Jesus. He's the, he's the first great disciple maker and he lived his life to leave. Now turn over to Matt. We're going to be in the gospels. So turn over to, uh, to Luke. We looked at this briefly. I want to show it to you again, Luke 14. And, and in fact, my subtitle here of the uh, verse 25 through 33 and we're not going to read it all the subtitle which was just given for the sake of understanding it wasn't written in the original language leaving all to follow christ and now a great multitude went with him now that's all of us everybody said that's everybody so this he's not just talking to the 12 he, he's not just talking to the few he's not just talking to the religious he's talking to all these people the multitudes everybody said the multitudes And he turned and said to them, "'If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother,' wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me uh, uh, cannot be my disciple. Now, I reaffirm to you that Jesus and everybody knew this. He was not teaching us to hate people. He was not teaching us to be haters. What he was teaching us was to get our priorities straight and not be so in love with the world that we could not follow Christ. In fact, John said this in second, in first John chapter two, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's all in the world. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's what he's teaching. He's teaching that, hey, if you're going to follow me, there's some things you're going to have to leave. You're going to have to set the priorities straight. And first priority has to be following after me. And if you go down to the last verse, he says, or or verse 33 of this passage, he says, So likewise, whoever of you, and he's talking to the multitudes. He's not talking to just the few. He's not talking to the twelve. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, In the culture we live in today, Christianity has been preached as what it, what it does for me. You know, it's how does Christian, how does following Jesus bless me? How does following Jesus make my life better? How does following Jesus help me uh, get more money? How does following Jesus make the, the monkey get off my back? How, it's all, and let me tell you something. Following Jesus and becoming a disciple has nothing to do with blessing you. It has everything to do with blessing God. God. I'll give everybody a chance so you won't be embarrassed that you didn't clap too. Following Jesus has nothing to do with blessing you. Now it will bless you. Following Jesus has nothing to do with, with, with how it's going to just make your life grand like Chevrolet and apple pie. Following Jesus and becoming a disciple maker has everything to do with blessing him. Okay, there you go. You feel better now. You got the monkey off your back. Jesus, the disciple maker, he lived to leave. In fact, his time on planet Earth was temporary, and he looked at his disciples, and it shook them up bad. How bad? Real bad. It shook them up because he said, you know, I'm going to leave you. They're going, oh, they're scrambling. Now, wait, now, we just now got this all figured out. You're Jesus. We're your disciples. You're going to build your kingdom here on earth. We're going to all be your second, you know, your right-hand men. We got it all figured out. No, he said, I'm leaving you. He said, but I tell you what, I won't leave you comfortless. I'll send you the Holy Spirit, but I'm out of here. I'm leaving. My time is done. Hey, listen, understand something about a disciple maker. In fact, he loved his disciples, but he had to leave them and raise up another generation of f- disciple-makers. So Jesus, as a disciple-maker, the original disciple-maker, He lived to leave. He left some things. He left heaven. And all of us, if we're going to be His disciples, we got to be able to leave and follow Him and fulfill His purpose for our life. Number two, I love this one. Jesus not only lived as a disciple, it was His lifestyle choice he lived not only to leave, but He lived to love. Aren't you glad Jesus loves you? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Are you all afraid to sing? Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. And then it goes on. Yes, Jesus, aren't you glad that He lived a life of love for us? He loves us. God, He's following, hey, as a disciple of His father, He's God so loved the world. He lived to love. Now, listen, as a disciple maker, listen, wh- this, this one, if you can get this one, it helps with the first one. Because you love people enough to not let other things get in the way of you getting to them. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't let his, his, his affinity for heaven get in the way for his love for you? Now I got one. Aren't you glad? This is group participation. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't let his love for heaven get in the way of his love for you. He lived to love. In fact, there's so much in Scripture. We could talk about this for a long time. But in Matthew 22, uh, it's that the, their disciples or are, are some of the religious people ask Him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Talking about the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm going to give you the answer to this. And in this, in this answer, it's going to fulfill all of them. Matthew 22, oh, look, uh, verse 36 to 39, He says there's really two. The first one is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the the second one's just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When they ask about all the commandments, Jesus' default was back to love God and love others. And Jesus lived to love. And if we don't live to love, I'm going to tell you, you're going to live a bitter, broken, busted, and disgusted life. Whoa, that wasn't in my notes. I'm going to try to say that again. If if you don't live to love, most people say, I just need somebody to love me. Most people, I just need somebody to tell me they love me. He already did that on, cro- on the cross. He's, he loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. He left heaven's glory to come and love you and die for you. And, and he lived for you so you can understand how to live as well. He lived to love. And I'm going to tell you something today. It's time we get the eyes off our own life and just start and stop trying to figure out for somebody to love me and, 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 and take care of it. Listen, we need to love people the great his default was love me with all your heart soul mind and strength and just love your neighbor as yourself be a lover of god man love people jesus lived to love in fact i want to show you this if if you're in I don't know where you loop John. Turn to John 13. Look what he says right here. John 13, he says this in verse 33 through 35. It's John's understanding of the or his uh, recollection of the new uh, commandment. He says this, verse 33 Little children, I say to you, I shall be, uh, he, sh- he said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Somebody say, love one another. And look what he says in verse 35, because we're talking about discipleship and disciples. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, the proof of your discipleship is your love for one another. Now, think about this. What he's saying is two things. He's, yes, he's telling us we need to love one another, but he's also telling, telling us that his love for everybody was so evident, his love for the world was so evident that if you loved your neighbor, people would say, well, he li- he, he's living like Jesus because Jesus' love for others was well known wherever he went. When's the last time someone said about you or when the world looked at you and said, man, I don't know much about this person, but I know this, they love people. They're lovers of people. They're lovers of God. You know, there's a lot of people who think they can love God but not love people. In fact, you go to John 21 there, it's Peter who had blown it terribly, the one who said he loved God and would do anything and follow him. He denied the Lord in the dark hour. You know the story. And he went back to the fishing ground, and Jesus, because of his love for Peter, went and found him, the resurrected Christ, walked back into his life, and they had a little Q&A. You remember the Q&A there after Jesus brought him some fish? The Q&A with Peter, uh, he says, Peter, listen, let's, let's talk. And the Q&A was not... When are you going to quit messing up? The Q&A was not, have you got got beyond this character flaw in your life? The Q&A was not about Peter's faults and flaws. The Q&A was about Peter, do you love me? In fact, John says this in 1 John, you read 1 John, it's all about love. 1 John says this, if you say you love God but hate your neighbor or hate your brother, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. And there are some people who say they love God, but they don't really love. People don't look and see the love for their fellow man in their hearts. And, and you read 1 John, it says, you know, beloved, let us love one another. For everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knows not God, for God is love. And when you look at Jesus, the original disciple maker, he lived to leave, to lay down his life and leave the, the glories of eternity. And, and he's called us to leave and, and, and forsake all and follow him. And he lived to love. He loved people. And if we're going to be a disciple maker and follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we got to live to leave and we got to live to love. And number three, Jesus lived to lead. You see, all of us, if we're going to be disciple makers, we have to be leaders, people of influence in the earth. And when Jesus began his ministry, you know, and you start reading the gospels, and he started finding his his disciples, he would say this statement to him: basically, follow me. Somebody say, follow me. Follow me. Now, most of us, we, we've not lived the life to the place where we would want to tell anybody, just do what I do and live the way I live and come and follow me. That just unnerves us. But I want to tell you something. When you, when you get these first two down, when you start becoming a sacrificial type m- person who just says you know what i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to lay down and leave my life for the sake of his life and i'm going to love people and i'm going to love them like jesus loved them uh, th- then this number 3 is a little easier because then you have a greater level of confidence and say you know just follow me i'll help you i'll lead you i'll i'll be an influence in your life it's time we step it up a notch and realize that we're not just to be followers of jesus we're to be disciple makers And we follow Jesus. In fact, Paul said this, you follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if I get, ever get off base, don't follow me. But as I'm following Christ, you have every, uh, hey, just follow me. I know people need, hey, they need Jesus with skin on him now. They need some people with, with the, hey, who well, touch them and help them and, and speak to them and correct them and guide them and love them and care for them and speak into their life and say, hey, you can make it through this. I thank God for people in my life who loved me enough and cared about me to look at me and speak into my life and lead me out of the hole I was in or lead me through the trouble I'm in. Come on now. It's time we realize something. If we're going to follow Jesus, we got to be leaders of men and women. Jesus lived to lead. Whoo! Let's think about that a minute. He lived to lead and influence the world. Disciple makers are people who have made lifestyle choices. Jesus made a choice to live, to leave, to live, to love, to live, to lead. And number four, He lived to labor. How many of you know discipleship is work? Spiritual influence is work. And Jesus said this. He was never more clear. Most people have the, uh, the Maynard G. Krebs mindset. You may have to Google that. There's only a few people who here in this room would probably even know who Maynard G. Krebs is. If you want to show your age and you know who Maynard G. Krebs is, lift your hand. There's a few. God bless you. He was on a show called Dobie Gillis. And whenever the word work was raised he had a tick he we didn't know that, that it was a tick back then but now it's a tick he may he may need to take a pill he had a tick somebody said well we need to go to work he go work because he was a he was a, a what is, a, a beatnik thank you beverly he was a beatnik we call them bums now a beatnik and every time there was work, work, scared him to death, work, 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 work. I wish I'd have been, see, he just pops in my head. When I'm old, I, things pop in my head. So a- in hindsight, wouldn't it have been cool to have a little video clip? See, the younger guys do that. I forget, though. I don't think this way until I get up here. They think that way before they get up here. I think while I speak. They think before they speak. Word. would have been great to see old Maynard G. this morning. Jesus lived to labor. He said this in John 9, 4. I must work the works of him who sent me. Now, listen, that work the works, it's not, it's not, some people translate that, I must do the miracles that he sent me to do. And that's work. That's, uh, but you read the Greek there, it's, it's, it's labor. It's I must work the work. There's some labor. There's some blood, sweat, and tears. There's some, and let me just tell you something, but leading people and influencing people and making disciples is a lot of work. There's work. I'm going to tell you the, the work of the Lord, you know, people look at the pastor. Well, he's in the middle of the work of the Lord there. He's doing the work of the Lord. He's up there preaching, man, this is not work for me. This is like Hey, this is like play period to me. This is like recess. This is what I love to do. I tell you what's hard is down in the trenches with people and helping them get from one level to the other and making a difference. And so it's labor. Jesus said, I got to work the work of him who sent me while it is day for the day, co- the night comes when nobody can work. John 14, he says this. To his disciples, the works that I do shall you do also. In other words, you just do what I do. And he said, even greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Jesus lived to leave. He lived to love. He lived to lead, and he lived to labor. He knew it was not going to be easy. How many of you know, you know, there, there's some glamour in ministry. I want to tell you something. There's not much anymore, but uh, there, was a, uh, there was a glamour element for me being a pastor. Like a, and then I learned kind of like what my friend said years ago. He's a pastor. He said, This pastoring thing would be awesome if it wasn't for all these people. This is work. Another friend said, This man, it'd be great if it weren't for all those sheep bites you get over. Oh, oh, oh it's work, it's effort. Parents, is it not work parenting is it, is it not work to parent your children? I mean the spirit of slap will come on you so fast? I know none of y'all have ever had that with your kids i look at mine and say, you know, if I didn't love Jesus and you enough, I might just slap a fire on, I'm gonna knock the fire out of you, but I never did that. I followed the biblical model. Spare the rod, fool the child. It works, by the way. All three of my kids serving the Lord. They didn't get too much of a mess before they grew up and started blessing God and blessing others. And in fact, I got a I got a t shirt from Stacy from my birthday. Help me, Stacy. My favorite people are those who call me Papa. Whoo! Nobody cared. I knew that. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus lived to labor, number five. I'll move on and get you back on track. Jesus, the disciple maker, I love this one. He lived to lift. Let me explain. OMG. One of my favorite stories, my favorite disciples, Peter, who blew it terribly bad. It gives us all a little hope. In fact, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He blew it real bad. And he went out and wept bitterly. And the resurrected Christ finds him back at the fishing boat where from whence Jesus Picked him and said, follow me. Changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means a rock. In fact, if you go to that passage, when he changed his name, he said, I'm going to begin to call you what you will one day be. You're not a rock yet, but I'm going to start calling you what you're going to one day be. I'm going to just say it out loud. You're going to be a rock. You're still a reed, which is Simon, one tossed about by the wind. But one day you'll be a rock. And so he goes back to Simon Peter, who was still a reed. And and he looks at him, and you know the story, and I mentioned it a few moments ago. And what did he do? do he came and he lifted Peter out of his despair and discouragement and depression and he lifted him to another level let me just tell you something about you and your greatest hour you know what your greatest hour will be when people will look at other people and they don't see you but they're standing on your shoulders Because you said, as a disciple maker, there's some people I need to lift up. Get them out of that hole, get them out of that dark place. He lifted Peter right out of it. In fact, you think about all the disciples, or, or the fishing ones, uh, you know, let me just tell you something. Fishing back then was was the low end of the totem pole. It was it was just the, you know, what are you doing? Well, just like everybody else, I'm trying to catch a few fish out of this lake. And how many of you know there's only so many fish to go around? And so there were days when they caught nothing. You know the story. And so these guys, they were just just meager fishermen. Eking out, you know, in Mexico, there's coconut guys. They, they, they have these coconut groves and they eke out a meager living harvesting coconuts. It's, it's, I mean, they, they, the, they walk around and they're blue out flip-flops. And a machete, and they'll climb those coconut and figure out creative ways. They, and you'll see them everywhere. They harvest coconuts and they harvest the meat and they harvest the everything. They use everything. It's a meager, that's the way the disciples were. And here came Jesus and he said, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll just follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll lift you to a whole new level of influence in the earth that's what our our responsibility is is to lift others to a place of influence and a place of 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 uh increase in their life and capacity in their life. Jesus as the disciple maker, he lived to leave. He lived to love. He lived to lead. He lived to labor and he lived to lift others up. There's a story of of a woman I think she was she was infirmed in some way. I can't exactly I think she was blind and even crippled. And the Bible says Jesus lifted her up I don't do a lot of things very well. I know my strengths and I know sadly my weaknesses, but in a pinch, if somebody's in a real hole, I have a grace and it's and it's encouraged. I'm an encourager. And I've looked at people in a big hole and said, come on now. Here we go. We're coming out of this thing. I know it looks bad now. I tell people this, and and you may hear me say this one day. I tell people when they've lost loved ones. Because this is what we do. I know today's a bad day. It's terrible. I don't have any answers for you, but I promise you this, if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, tomorrow won't be as bad as today. And if you'll just keep moving forward and not let this thing drag you down. I I don't deny anybody of their grief. I, I want to tell you, grief is an important thing. But there's my encouragement. If you'll just keep pressing forward, tomorrow won't be as bad as today. And you can look back over the course of time. I promise you this, and I can promise people this. Your future is bright if you'll just follow Him. Here we are as disciple-makers. We take people and we lift them up. Come on, let's go. It's kind of like the, what's that little poem or saying of the footsteps in the sand? You see two sets of prints, Jesus and you. And then one day there's just one. Well, what happened? Did Jesus leave me? Leave me? No. He just picks you up. And he'll carry you for a while. That's who we should be to the world that is around us. To love, to lift, to lead, and to work the work. And then, of course, number six. Jesus lived to lay down his life for the whole world. That's what true disciples do. True discipleship is not uh, not about getting all you can and canning the rest or eat all you can and sell the rest like the bluebell guy. But true discipleship is being willing to lay down our life. Jesus laid down His life. In fact, the Bible says in John, it says this, they didn't take His life, He laid it down. Willingly laid down his life. And then he told his disciples this, I think in John, let me see, John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down your life for your friends. And on this Memorial Day weekend, greater love has no one than this, than those who laid down their lives for us. And that ought to move us and inspire us. Those who have willingly laid down their lives on the battlefields of life for the sake of the good old US of A, ought to inspire us, safe and secure, saints of God. To be willing to lay down our lives for others. That's what a disciple maker does. Their lifestyle, the way they live life and interact with the world, they've made lifestyle choices. Because understand something about this life. You want to know something about this life? It's only temporary. It's only temporary. I'm probably in the last quarter. I know that kind of unnerves people to think about it. I'm in the last quarter. Hopefully I'll make the biggest difference in the last quarter. How many of you know the last quarter is many times where the games are won or lost? And we all have to make lifestyle choices. This life is only temporary. Your capacity to be influential is limited to this life. After that, it's heaven. And so I want to ask you today, how are you living life? Are you living the lifestyle of a disciple maker? It's a challenge. I'm not, hey, this is not a bless me message. This is a bless God and others message. You come to the close of this life, and if you lived for you, what a boring, sad, let me just say, pathetic, wasted life you live. Most people think it's all about them. It's not about you. It's about others. That's why we're still here. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and build houses and lands and enjoy life and And uh, get all you can and can the rest. Eat all you can and sell the rest. He just said, go. Lay it all down for the sake of others. Love people. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, today, as we come to the close of this day, I pray your influence in our life would become more profound and more impactful than ever before. That we would live the life of a true disciple maker. That we would follow in your footsteps today and your life would begin to live through us. As Paul said, less of me and more of you. Help us to make some choices today. This this morning, there are people here who, number one, really just need to make the choice to follow Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're just like the fisherman by the shore living life. And Jesus just walked up into your business and began to speak to you this morning and say, follow me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, if you're here today and you've never really made a commitment to follow Christ, Jesus said in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever really made a commitment to serve and follow Jesus. But today, if you'll lead me in a prayer, I'll, I'll pray a prayer and ask Christ to come into my heart. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are, and I'll pray for you right where you are. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, but I'm not really following him. I haven't followed through the way I know I need to, to begin to be his true disciple. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, just pray for me that I'd have some follow-through with my following Jesus. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. We're going to pray together. There we go. Lord, today you see hands up. You see our hearts, Lord. And today I pray, Lord, out of this room, oh God, that you would raise up a whole new generation of disciple-makers. People who love people like you love people. People who will lead people. People who will not let the love of the other things keep them from the love of God and the love of others. People who will lay down their lives for the sake of others. Raise us up, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.